Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. So glad you could join us, letting us be a part of your day. Here's what we're going to be talking about on today's program. We will have hurricane damage uh, reports from two states, North Carolina and Georgia. Both states hit hard, a lot of uh, crop damage, a lot of other damage as well, of course, but we're going to focus on the agricultural aspects of the storm. Uh, we'll talk uh, with Peter Daniel with the North Carolina Farm Bureau and Andy Lucas with the Georgia Farm Bureau. Also coming up today, Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers joins us, and we'll go over the latest ag equipment sales numbers. But we'll start things off today with our good friend Spencer Chase from AgriPulse Communications. Spencer, how are you? I'm doing good. My Packers got a big win last night, so I, I, I just couldn't be better, Mike. Well, my Cowboys got a big win Sunday, so we're both in good moods, right, <laughs> to kick off the week Absolutely. here. Uh, things a little quiet there in D.C. with uh, Congress uh, out on the campaign trail. Yeah, that's something that uh, that typically happens uh, in October in election years. They uh, They all find a way to uh, make their way back home and this year it was by way of uh, by way of an agreement reached in the senate uh, the house is already out of town but the senate was still in town making some votes and so there's an agreement in the senate to pass uh, a number of uh, judges uh, appoint them and so uh, with that the senate headed back to, to join their house colleagues so uh, now congress has spread uh, spread out across the country either campaigning for their own re-election or maybe helping some of their colleagues do the same well there's still a lot to do obviously but Really, all the focus is on the election and uh, the makeup of Congress after the election next month. Right, and that's uh, that's really going to have a big impact on farm policy. Obviously, there's a number of things that uh, that need to be done uh, during the lame duck session. Obviously, something is going to have to happen on the farm bill. And now we're hearing that uh, potential action on the uh, new U.S.-Mexico-Canada uh, trade agreement, the former NAFTA, that might have to wait until 2019, as uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell doesn't appear to be uh, in any too much of a hurry to uh, to bring that agreement up in the lame duck. And there's also some procedural questions that would make it uh, that would make it wonder if that's even something that could possibly be done, given the restrictions put on Congress by Trade Promotion Authority. And on the farm bill. Obviously, nothing's going to happen until after the elections. But in the meantime, it seems like there's more and more criticism of the bill, especially on the House side. And it seems like, in some ways, they're further from the finish line than closer. Well, it was, it was interesting. The, the negotiators had a meeting here recently and made a point, because they knew there were reporters standing, uh, standing in the hallway waiting for them to emerge. They made a point of emerging uh, arm in arm, uh, both literally and figuratively, before the press, and said that they were in this together. They wanted to uh, produce a good bill and get a, get a vote in a lame duck session. But now, now it's getting to the point where negotiations have to happen at the staff level. And that's something that uh, can, can introduce a lot of difficulty, because keep in mind, the, there's a lot of staffers that spent a lot of time on these bills, you know, even before they came to the point of getting a committee vote. There were a lot of all-nighters pulled, a lot of long hours worked. And so this is a point of pride for the, for the staffers as well. They've worked very hard on this legislation, and so it's something, they're, it's something they're proud of as well. And so maybe reaching a compromise that would eliminate a policy that they helped work to write, uh, that, that's, you know, that's something difficult for the staffers to have to agree to as well. It would seem the pressure will mount on House Ag Committee Chair Conaway, especially if he wants to hold fast to uh, the, uh, the the course they took in the House bill on the, the SNAP requirements. That's certainly the dialogue at this point. Uh, a lot of folks are saying that uh, they, there just isn't the votes in the Senate for the work requirements that were pursued in the House bill. And so keep in mind, the, the, the House needs a majority, and, and they had that when they passed their farm bill. In the Senate, you're going to need 60 votes. And they're, they're very fond of saying, in the, the, the Senate negotiators are very fond of saying that their, their bill got more than 80 votes, and it could have had even more than that, had a few folks that were absent been present for that vote. Uh, but there's also a number of uh, number of uh, talking heads in Washington that kind of say they uh, they maybe don't want a bill uh, on the conservative side of things that would get 80 votes in the Senate because that means that uh, that they might be giving up just a little bit uh, more than they're comfortable with doing. But uh, obviously, it, this bill is is really going to hinge on whether or not a, a workable compromise can be reached on the nutrition language. We're talking with Spencer Chase with AgriPulse Communications. Meanwhile, Spencer, when we look at that U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Um, 
it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in getting it passed, and a lot of it will hinge, obviously, on, on labor unions and whether they support it or not. What are you hearing? Well, it was actually, we had the opportunity to uh, speak with Senator Chuck Grassley here earlier this morning, and he said that he thinks there's enough in there with the labor unions and with some of the labor provisions to generate enough Democratic support to get this deal approved. Uh, with the amount of uh, with the amount of criticism the administration took for its approach on NAFTA, there were a lot of folks that uh, were very concerned that the administration might just up and pull out of it. And we saw President Trump on 60 Minutes on Sunday say that uh, one of his biggest regrets is that he didn't pull the didn't uh, hit the reset button on NAFTA sooner. And so, <laughs> obviously, uh, this is a you know I mentioned a, a point of pride earlier. This is a point of pride for the administration too. They they say this is a a better deal for the United States, and so. Uh, it, uh, that better deal doesn't really do a whole lot of good if they can't generate enough support in Congress to pass it. And so to, to do that, they're probably going to have to, to gin up some Democratic support, and that's where those labor provisions that, uh, that you mentioned, the labor support, is, is really going to be critical in, in terms of getting enough support for that final vote. Dairy was such a big part of the uh, the challenge to get that deal done, and we're still kind of looking for details and just how much of a win was it for U.S. Dairy? Well, I think, as as you mentioned, we are still looking for details, but I think a good sign for the administration is that we haven't heard anything too negative yet. Uh, Haven't heard any dairy groups come out and say, listen, this is good, but we need way more than what we've got, and so we just can't throw our support behind it. Uh, The fact that that has not happened really bodes well for the administration. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all uh, plays out. And meanwhile, uh, are you hearing anything, any talk around D.C. on... uh, talks with china we're getting any closer or any further away what's it look like well i i think it's kind of status quo is prevailing on that at this point i uh, haven't really heard much in terms of uh you know plans to set up new negotiations there's uh, talk that the president and the, the president xi of china might have a meeting at, uh, at the g20 in argentina next month but uh you know that that meeting could very well be canceled there's been a lot of kind of cat and mouse between these two countries here uh, as the negotiations have been ongoing. But at this point, uh, it doesn't really appear that there's any kind of a resolution on the horizon. But, I mean, to the, to the credit of the trade negotiation team of this administration, uh, as, of, uh, as of Thursday or Friday before the uh, NAFTA renegotiation deal was signed on a Sunday, it was looking pretty certain that Canada was not going to be able to join the agreement and the administration was going to have to figure out a way to get a U.S. and Mexico trade agreement through Congress. But uh, there was a, there's a lot of work done kind of at the last minute. And so who knows? When these negotiations get going, they could get going pretty quickly. Well, the USMCA and the E15 announcements, uh, not surprisingly, uh, were timed pretty well going into these elections. So those would seem to be the big boost for uh, ag in the election. So I don't know that we can expect uh, any more on that front between now and election time. But Who knows the way things uh, develop sometimes. Spencer, it's always good to talk with you. We'll see you soon in Kansas City, okay? Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Mike. Take care. Spencer Chase with AgriPulse Communications. All right, coming up next, we're going to start our look at a couple of states hit very hard by uh, uh, hurricanes. Uh, Michael recently, and in the case of North Carolina, Florence before that. A little bit later, we'll talk with Andy Lucas with the Georgia Farm Bureau. They really got hit hard by Michael. And Peter Daniel joins us next from the North Carolina Farm Bureau. Uh, State was still reeling from Florence and then got a lot of water from uh, Michael. We'll talk about that, damage assessments, and uh, what they need for help and assistance. That's coming up next. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. 
through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, the state of North Carolina has really taken a couple of big hits uh, from storms, uh, Hurricane Florence and now Michael. Joining us now with an assessment of the situation in North Carolina is Peter Daniel, assistant to the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau. Peter, thank you for joining us. Uh, let's, let's focus on this last round. I know you got a lot of rain, a lot of water from Hurricane Michael. Yes, we have. That was uh, quite a surprise. The um... For those of your listeners that have never uh, experienced a hurricane or the, uh, the the remnants of a hurricane, they they can be uh, 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 quite devastating. Um, the uh, the storms that, that these uh, these weather systems spawn can can wreak havoc in, in cities and and rural areas. You were still recovering from. Florence, and then you got all this. So what is the situation there from an agricultural standpoint in North Carolina? Well, it was like adding insult to injury. Um, when when Michael came through, it was it was it was moving very quickly, but uh, it also had very high winds. We we had gale force winds, and in our Piedmont area, which is the central part of our state, and uh, there's a stretch from from um, Charlotte Mecklenburg area across the the, the 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 belly of our state and then up towards the Virginia line that that had line force winds that that um, we had flooding we had we've had pastures inundated we've had fencing taken down we've had uh, we have areas that still are without power uh, and um, uh, we had farmers that that um, have uh, uh, had their tobacco and and in their in their curing barns and when you lose power um, you have to go on auxiliary power pretty quickly and so uh, we've it's been a very stressful time for for that region of the state and and then you put that on top of what uh, we're experiencing or experienced down east. Uh, it, it's, it has been a year that we really don't ever want to see again. 
I know before the first hurricane, farmers were trying to get as much harvested as they could, and then, of course, uh, that storm hit, and then you were trying to recover from that, get everything starting to get things put back together as best you could, and then this one hit. Uh, are there any damage assessments uh, at this point? Uh, we uh, actually talked with our State Department of Agriculture this morning. They are still in the uh, assessment mode. We, we've had, as, as I said, we've had uh, reports of, of miles of fencing down, um, again, more pasture flooding, and, and if the water doesn't quickly recede, that the, uh, the grasses and the pastures will, will just um, drown, and, and so we'll have to go through pasture renovations. We'll, <laughs> it, it's just, um, uh, and, and with, with winter, uh, with fall setting in, with quickly going to winter, um, it's going to be hard to get, get grasses on the established, reestablished on these pastures, and, and, and so it, it, it's just a domino effect uh, with um, uh, being able to, uh, you know, renovate pastures, weather, weather not cooperating, and um, getting ready for um, uh, spring next year, and then overwinter feeding uh, of cattle and other livestock is going to be really interesting. Talking with Peter Daniel with the North Carolina Farm Bureau. A lot of focus has been on your pork operations and. Uh, whether lagoons have been breached, what's that situation? Well, the the farmers uh, were well prepared for Hurricane Florence. Um, the, the livestock farmers, the hogs and the chickens, uh, um, you know, with the weather weather forecasting that's available to us these days, we we were watching those storms as they were forming off the coast of Africa. And, and with the ability of forecasting uh, uh, showing that it, the high probability that it would be coming close to our coastline, uh, farmers started pumping their lagoons down, making sure they had plenty of free board in the lagoons, and, and uh, they just did a, a, a monumental job. Over the, over the past two decades since uh, Hurricane um, uh, Floyd, uh, we, the state of North Carolina, has has partnered really with farmers in in buying out lagoons that that were in floodplains. So a lot of those lagoons and operations had been moved and, and or closed, and and so we learned a lot out of out of Hurricane Floyd that in practices that have been been incorporated into best management practices over over the years and. And uh, being able to manage up to 36 inches of water uh, that fell, um, and only have uh, a handful of, of breaches uh, or, or lagoon um, side failures, uh, is is just phenomenal. Um, you know, we had that... a lot more. We had a lot more um, issues with uh, with municipal waste systems mm-hmm. failing than we have with with uh, hog lagoons. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. I uh, I think a lot of critics of production agriculture and, and of uh, uh, pork operations, they focused on the few lagoon breaches there were and probably did not focus on the, the, the municipal uh, wastewater treatment plants uh, where you had similar breaches. Uh, you're absolutely right. And and part of, part of the reason that, that there's been a focus on on animal agriculture is there are nonprofits out there that that um, um, their their reason for existence is is to is to criticize and and, and try to change animal agriculture uh, uh, in our state we we have we have um, groups that that immediately started started criticizing um, our hog farmers and uh, even before the storm hit, and and we we during the storm we had pictures that were that were twenty years old being being thrown around on on social media that that uh, stating that they that was that it was happening as they as as they were posting it, and and so there was a lot of it misinformation. 
that was that was moving around. Um, the North Carolina Pork Council uh, was very proactive in in dealing with the media and and uh, encouraging them to to not overreact uh, and and was providing um, really twice day updates uh, uh, as to the state of lagoons and 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 the state of the state of the, res- the official responses that were taking place. So we we were able to manage the situation much better. But again, you have these these folks out there that are making wild accusations that are just unsubstantiated in in today's um, uh, social media environment uh, we we have to have a proactive uh, voice out there to defend mm-hmm. our farmers and, and the practices that they they have incorporated Peter tell us about the recovery efforts and uh, what's underway as far as assistance and and how can people help well our um, our general assembly met uh, in its second special session they finished last night we are we are um, analyzing exactly what took place. Uh, there's um, um, uh, matching funds for $20 million going to our State Department of Agriculture just to match uh, uh, FEMA, FEMA money that has been spent in uh, rescue and, rest and, and recovery. Uh, we've, we have additional $50 million uh, that have been allocated to... Uh, assist farmers with recovery activities uh, such as hay relief, pasture renovation, uh, non-field farm road repair, and uh, reforestation efforts, um, and to, uh, to provide federal matches as needed, you know, in, in federal cost share funds. Uh, they also uh, uh, set up an unappropriated uh, pot of money of $394 million dollars uh, for for general um, recovery efforts and, and within that uh, there's a fund for Hurricane Florence Agricultural Disaster Program and uh, the money has not been uh, uh, allocated out uh, we we anticipate either one or two more special sessions of our General Assembly to address this this um, horrendous event, and uh, we will be making the case on behalf of our farmers to, uh, as as for direct assistance in the crop okay. losses. There, we anticipate. Well, the estimate is 1.1 billion dollars loss in crop and livestock. Wow. 1.1 billion dollars loss. It's going to take a long and, time uh, to recover for sure. Peter, we're out of time, but thank you for the update. We will stay in touch. Thank you very much. Th- thank you. Peter Daniel with the North Carolina Farm Bureau. Up next, we'll talk with Andy Lucas with the Georgia Farm Bureau with a damage assessment there. Stay with us on Adams on Agriculture. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector, after that Monday rally, we are backpedaling on a Tuesday with soybean futures trending 6 to 7 cents lower, corn futures 2 to 3 lower, Grain futures rose on Monday as traders were watching the weather forecast for an end to recent wet weather. Tuesday's radar clear across the Corn Belt and northern plains, northern two-thirds of the country for that matter, but showers still exist in Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana. 
Rain and snow last week pushed the nation's soybean harvest further behind the average pace. 38% of the crop in the bin as of Sunday, 15 points behind the five-year average. Trending 6 to 7 cents lower in soybean futures an hour into Tuesday's trade. Monday's rally in close above the 100-day moving average, adding fuel to the fire for corn bulls. December at 375 and a half, down two and three quarters an hour into the day. In the wheats, Chicago trending a fraction to a penny lower, three lower in Kansas City, two and a fraction lower in Minneapolis spring wheat. For livestock in American live cattle futures, we're trending in a mix, 35 cents on either side of steady. Cash cattle market activity expected to be quiet in the central and southern plains today. Bids and asking prices not all that well developed. In feeder cattle, we're 15 to 75 cents lower. Lean hog futures rallying once again, 40 to a dollar higher. Cash expectations steady lower on this Tuesday. Upper Midwest terminals, Zumbrota barrels and gilts, steady atop of $40 per hundredweight. The Dow is up 268 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we just had a damage assessment from North Carolina. Now let's go to the state of Georgia. Joining us is Andy Lucas with the Georgia Farm Bureau. And Andy, there obviously is no no good time for a hurricane, but from an agricultural standpoint, Michael couldn't have hit at a worse time for your farmers and your crops. Of harvest in Georgia for cotton, uh, vegetable production, or fall vegetable production, as well as our pecan industry is just gearing up. And, and to have these storms come through the state, uh, it, it couldn't have happened at a worse time. Okay, kind of give us a, an assessment of how, what it was like during the storm, what areas were hardest hit, and uh, where you're at today. Well, you know, it was like uh, you, you you could see it coming. It, it, it reminds me of, of, of grammar school when you got in trouble and, and you knew you were sent to the hall and you knew eventually it was going to get here and you were going to be sent to the principal's office. And, and that's exactly what the storm produced. Um, it, we, we've seen these storms in the Gulf and we've weathered these storms in the past. It, it just picked up momentum as it came across the Gulf and came in from Florida the damage uh, assessment was the cotton stalk is, is really just stripped. Uh, there's not a lot left. You know, the damage is anywhere between 100% to its, you know, minimum damage in the north, but in the central and the southwest, which is really the breadbasket of Georgia for these row crops, uh, in the fields that we assessed yesterday and Sunday as well as Saturday, just cotton on the ground, and, and you know from a cotton plant, you, you it's not a vacuum that you pick up those those fibers with. It's it's a picker, and so there's not a lot of hope there. The the pecan industry, you know, they were really early in their harvest, and and you know it's just strode pecans, it's pushed up trees, and you know this is that generational crop that we do really well here in Georgia, and to see the damage to those trees, it, uh, the return on that could take, you know, is after you get it cleaned up, it could take as many as 10 years. Uh, tomatoes, sweet corn, 
some of the fields that we were in yesterday with sweet corn, it looks it just looks like a, a layer of green carpet because it just pushed the stalk all the way to the ground. And, and I know a lot of your listeners in your area know that that stalk is supposed to be standing straight up at this time of year. Uh, a lot of damage. Uh, there'll be some great damage on our peanut harvest. Uh, and again, you know, we, we were just on the verge of getting started. You know, our rainfall in Georgia is somewhere around 50 inches. Uh, and so we got anywhere between five to six inches uh, just in that one storm. For the month of October, it should be one of our drier months. It should be somewhere around four inches. So there'll be some great damage of what we can harvest. Uh, but the mood, the, the response that we've seen from administration coming uh, from the Secretary of uh, USDA visiting here since Saturday and, and, and staying in the area through today making assessments, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to put in words to describe the destruction. And I don't think I've ever seen this widespread in the state of Georgia. Well, as you said, tree damage, that's long-term damage. And then in your other crops, uh, I, I, I think I'd heard where you were looking at a pretty good cotton crop, weren't you, uh, if they could have gotten to it in time? I, Mike, that's a, that's a great point. What we were looking at this year was, uh, you know, how farmers like to talk about that bumper crop. We just had adequate rainfall. Uh, we, we have a lot of irrigated acres here in Georgia, but we also have some dry land. And those dry land, uh, when you get the right rainfall, you can make good peanuts, good cotton. You can do a lot of things with those. And so going into this, we probably were in fields before the storm, like three-bell cotton. And now there's no cotton on the stalk. And so you can get a real feel out of 1,500-pound cotton down to nothing. Um, so, you know, what we do is we do well. We grow cotton, and we, and we do a good job with it with our climate. But, but the impact of this is, is tremendous. Uh, you know, the commissioner was with us earlier on an interview, and he's pushing the, the crop loss into the billions. So we're, we're, we're very devastated, very concerned for our farmers here in the state of Georgia. We're talking with Andy Lucas with the Georgia Farm Bureau. Andy, what about... Livestock losses, infrastructure damage, what about that? Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's very sad to get to an area and you're riding where you can get through and there's cows out. There's just cows on the side of the ditch. And, you know, as livestock producers, you know, those portable water wagons that we pull up just in those emergency needs and the generators, uh, they're displaced cattle, uh, but for the last few days they've been able to kind of herd some of those up. But the infrastructure is getting the power, getting the grid back on, and, and that's, uh, you know, the outages is going to continue to be there. Most farmers down in the Bainbridge, Baker County area, uh, they're probably talking another two weeks, and, you know, a lot of generators are being run and, and just uh, – I'd, I'd have to say the conversations that I had with farmers is they're just in survival mode. They're, they're really numb to a lot of things. Uh, you know, when you look at our crop production numbers, you know, we were just getting started. Only 5% of the pecan industry had been harvested. Somewhere around 15, maybe 20% on the high side of the cotton had already been harvested. Very little vegetable production. The one bright spot was the peanuts, you know, with the peanuts, you can plow those, you can invert those, you can dry those within three days and more than likely harvest those. So we've been watching the storm, and what we were able to do is kind of harvest right up to the very end. But we had cotton that was defoliated that was ready to pick because our six-row pickers, they can pick a lot of acres in a day, and they are just, you know, could not get it quick enough before the storm got here. What about assistance and recovery efforts now? Well, I left one part out. You asked for the infrastructure, and then I'll get to that question. The infrastructure, we visited gins yesterday that, uh, you know, got significant damage, peanut storage facilities, buying points offline, uh, some of the peanuts that were pushed in there right at uh, before the storm. They're having to dry, so there's there's storage issues. Uh, we were at a facility down uh, outside of Bainbridge, closer to the Alabama side, 
and it was a grain elevator, and they've got corn that they've got to begin to move, but they, you know, all the wind come through there and just just mangle the parts, and and so you, you it's it's going to be a long recovery process. Uh, you, you talk a little bit about the federal side. You know, I, I think we were at assembly uh, in the central part of the state on Sunday, and Secretary Purdue were there, and uh, our commissioner was there as well, and. And I really think uh, the audience, the group of close to 400 farmers, were looking for a message of hope. And it was a good therapy session, but I'm not sure what type of solutions can be offered in this type of situation this widespread. Are you taking donations, or are there, do you have things set up where people can help? Uh, thanks, Mike. That's, that's an excellent point. You know, we're not... I don't think anybody has ever set up for these type opportunities. They can go to gfb.org. Uh, if they would like to, they can help our foundation, and these funds will be uh, directed back to our producers. The, the Georgia Cattlemen's Association is also doing some things on their website. So those two um, Organizations, the Farm Bureau and the Georgia Cattlemen's, are ways that uh, if someone in your listening audience is wanting to help the farmers, that they could facilitate a donation back to uh, help offset some of the storm losses that these producers are facing. No doubt it has to be a real struggle, a real challenge for folks in Georgia hit by the storm. Uh, looking at uh, the damage and and trying to get their head around that and and trying to figure out okay what do we do next where do we go for help uh, what steps do we have to take so uh, I'm sure you're you're working to kind of assist them in that area. Yeah, and it's and it's really hard to get organized at this level simply because of it's it's such a widespread. Uh, you start at you know at the Gulf of and you and you drive two hours and they're damaged all the way through there. Uh, it, it just couldn't have come at a worse time. I, I think the message that you know North Carolina and South Carolina that faced this last year in Georgia and Florida, you know I would have to say that farm family lives will be changed forever by this storm and the impact of this storm. Um, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that some of the producers may not be farming next year unless they are able to get some type of support, whether it's a restructuring, whether it's some type of a debt, you know, where we can kind of move this debt that we're going to not receive from the revenue that we anticipated with this bumper crop. Yeah, we often talk about recovery being a long-term uh, situation, but as you said, uh, the impact of this on decisions of whether to even stay in farming or not, those will be some uh, uh, life-changing uh, uh, decisions that will have to be made as well. Yeah, and, you know, we, we we produce content as well, you know, like a lot of farm bureaus trying to tell the voice of Georgia farmers or any ag voice. And, and I've never, in all my years of interviewing individuals, whether it's young or old, you know, they've, they've, they've had adversity and they've been able to overcome this. Uh, this is just so close to home. It, it hits at a, at a time where income prices are down, commodity prices. You look at your website this morning, you would think there'd be a market run, but they're not. And, you know, it's a tough spot for them to be in. And not only that, you, you're worried about their, their mental capacity at this time, you know, uh, whether, they can, whether they can overcome this and, and regenerate that hope right. that drives farmers throughout the state of Georgia. And we'll certainly keep, uh, keep all of you in our prayers. Andy, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Mike, for what you do. Andy Lucas with the Georgia Farm Bureau. All right, stay with us. Coming up next, uh, look at the latest ag equipment sales numbers here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, friends, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life's all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Together, we can stop men dying too young by tackling the big issues. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, suicide. It's time to act. Sign up at Movember.com and raise funds to help change the face of men's health. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that.
information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, joining us now is Kurt Blades, the Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. And Kurt, we just talked with um, Andy Lucas from Georgia Farm Bureau, and to hear about the the devastation there from Hurricane Michael and uh, the damage uh, that, you know, when you think of having a bumper cotton crop about ready to be harvested and then have it wiped out, and if your your uh, crops are dependent on trees, when you lose trees, that's a long-term process. Uh, the damage it's done uh, and the decisions that will have to be made. I know I know a lot of farmers in different parts of the Midwest right now are frustrated they can't get their harvesting going because of some weather problems, but this kind of really puts it in perspective. Uh, those folks down there are really dealing with some uh, very serious situations. Well, Mike, I thank you for mentioning that, and I'll tell you, our, our heart goes out for, uh, for farmers like that because there's, there's nothing more sad than just to... Uh, you know, to see a to see a bumper crop go down, or or even worse, in the case of uh, of a tree, um, you know, that has long term strategic implications. So, you know, on behalf of all the manufacturers, our our heart goes out to those to those farmers out there. We're certainly thinking about you guys and and, and pulling for them as as they make it through this tough time. And you know, we all all farmers got to stick together in situations like that because this is a, this is tough stuff. Yeah, it really is. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's turn to the latest uh, numbers. We've been tracking these throughout this year, and we have said repeatedly we're uh, pleasantly surprised uh, each time the numbers come out that they've been as strong as they have been, especially in this ag economy. What are the latest numbers showing? Well, Mike, I, I think we're we are kind of beginning to sound like a broken record with the comment of we're pleasantly surprised. Uh, the September numbers continue to show some of those same trends that. Uh, that we were seeing earlier in the month, uh, uh, you know, certainly in those uh, considered decision of row crop tractors, 100, and, 100 horsepower plus uh, saw a uh, about a 10 percent growth uh, year over year, and four-wheel drive tractors are seeing a pretty sizable jump percentage-wise uh, month over month, and that's continuing as a trend year over year. Self-propelled combines uh, are, are 10 percent month over month and 20 percent year over year in terms of. Uh, terms of their sales and those are those are great solid numbers um now one interesting side note uh, when you look at those is that we're still we're still on on all three of those categories we mentioned we're still under the five-year average uh for those for those unit sales uh and i think that that kind of points to one of the other themes that we've continued to talk about you know the five-year average being 13 through 17 you know, you've got you've got 13 numbers that were pretty remarkable, and we're it's just kind of demonstrating how long it's taken for us to get to uh, back to some some normalcy in, in the market. But I think overall, pretty pleased with what these numbers look like for uh, for row crop tractors. The recent trade announcement between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico uh, that that even though we're still waiting for details on that, and it has to be passed and implemented, but uh, that at least is viewed, I'm sure, as a positive sign. Absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, you know we've said over and over again. The association of manufacturers have come up pretty strongly. We we love trade. We love uh, we love the ability for our farmers and for our for our members, customers to to be able to sell their products, uh, you know, into whatever market makes the most sense. So uh, any any movement on trade, whether it's uh, whether it's an improved NAFTA, and I think we all kind of agree that that ended up being the in a position that looks like we're all going to like quite well, um, that's that's obviously a good thing. Any discussions that are happening with uh, with opening up trade negotiations around the world, I think we're all in favor of because that that helps our farmers find more more uh, more uses and more demands for their products. Well, I kind of wonder what the the next uh, report will show. Uh, we, I mean, we continue on uh, with the market prices, you know, commodity prices, not where we'd like to see them. Uh, do you think uh, you can sustain these kind of positive numbers? Well, I, I, you know, again, I want to sound like a little bit of a dark cloud, but I think I'd mentioned uh, in an earlier interview with Mike that uh, Canada was a leader, uh, leading indicator of what the uh, the about six months ahead of of this uh, this this uh, replacement recovery that we've been enjoying on the uh, on the on the U.S. side, and uh, you know the latest numbers from Canada don't are showing some some um, uh, a little bit of a decline. 
so I don't want to sound like that's a, that's a pessimistic approach, but, uh, but if, if uh, Canada was six months ahead on the, uh, on the lead and they're showing a, uh, a bit of a decline already, perhaps there's a, there's a bit of a story there that, uh, you know, as, as Canada went, perhaps the U.S. is soon to follow. But, you know, Mike, I continue to be optimistic. You know, I'm a, I'm a farm kid, so, you know, we have, it requires faith to put seed in the ground and make sure it's going to raise. And I think, uh, you know, we continue to be optimistic that, that, you know, trade things will work out. That the, the, the demand will uh, will certainly be there, and that uh, uh, you know that farmers will be in a position to where their their uh, their business will uh, will allow them to make some upgrades or some uh, some reinvestments in equipment. Yeah, when the ag economy does turn back around, it will be interesting to see when does that translate into their feeling confident enough to uh, be in a position to make those purchases of equipment. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's all it's all an individual basis. I've had have have had analysts try to pin me down. It's like, you know, what you know, what's the, the typical replacement cycle for a farm? I say, well, what's the typical farm? So it sort of it does end up being an individual decision, and it kind of has to match the economics of each individual farmer. But having said that, there's a lot of factors that uh, that come into play. Uh, you know, certainly the uh, the economics of an individual individual farm, their ability to access land if they're in a growth mode or things as as, uh, as simple as uh, hey labor has become uh, an issue at their farm and they they might feel the need to make an upgrade to uh, to, to soften some of those labor concerns if they can go to a to a new piece of equipment that makes uh, makes it a little bit easier to, to operate with a little bit less labor uh, that certainly is a is a consideration as well so a lot to look at as you said it, it'll be uh, on an individual basis uh, how that plays out and uh, we hope this ag economy uh, does indeed turn around uh, soon kurt as always thank you for the update we'll talk with you again soon thanks much mike we'll talk to you next month all right take care kurt blades senior vice president ag services for the association of equipment manufacturers well that's going to wrap it up for today thanks to all of our guests kurt blades uh, with AEM, Andy Lucas with Georgia Farm Bureau, Peter Daniel with the North Carolina Farm Bureau, and Spencer Chase with AgriPulse Communications. Coming up tomorrow, a look at uh, the next step in this E15 uh, saga. Now that the announcement has been made by the president, what's next? Uh, we kind of wait for something from EPA. What's going on there? We'll find out and uh, talk more about harvest and other issues. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network.